So tonight we're going we're to talk about a walk in faith, a walk consciously with this power within us. We're in steps 10 and 11, and because I wanted to share that with you because it's so profound to us that you people have been so faithful with us that we wanted to share that, and then we'll just launch right into the teaching. Fair enough? So we're going to start tonight on the bottom of page 83, and many of you have seen these, if you've been in AA meetings, you've seen these on the wall labeled the promises or the 12 promises, but they're actually at the end of the ninth step, and the ninth step promises leading us into the manner of living suggested in 10. And the reason we want to call that to your attention is because they are states of being. They're not concepts. They're actually states of being when you're walking consciously, right? And so we're going to go through that, and then we'll go through the manner of living suggested and see if we all can share some revelation. Fair enough? Okay, so bottom of page 83, if we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. So what phase? So Sean's talking about the practices we learned in 4 through 9 of self-inventory, inventory of thought life, taking captive the thought, when, when wrong, promptly admit it, sharing with another, right? Good, spending time in meditation with the creator within, getting an ideal and then power to live up to that ideal, right? And then that fitness step of actually admitting we're wrong and pre precisely how we were wrong and finding out how we can make it right, and then asking for power to indeed treat them better than we had been treating them, right? And now these promises start to happen at that level of awareness, that level of fitness. This is the freedom step, the fitness step, right? So, so it says, if we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. So... They said a new freedom. So that means unlike anything I've ever experienced before. Have you ever contemplated what the new freedom is that you start walking into once you're at this phase of your development? How many of you have done an inventory and have started making some of your amends and have started working with people on what prayer and meditation life might look like? How many of you have found that you have less limiting thoughts about who you are and whose you are and what your future looks like. Amen. Didn't you ask in three that you be relieved of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will and now you're out serving, putting your past to purpose and you not believe in that nonsense that you're nobody, that you're a number, that you're a convict, that you're a drug addict, but you're a child of the living God and you're here to announce that he sent them to you. Right? So you've been relieved of the bondage yourself. You see, see how prayer works regardless of your belief as long as you're earnest in that prayer, yes? I'm not saying say prayers that don't matter to you. If they don't matter to you, they don't matter to God. But if you really want to get free, if you're tired of that and you ask, it'll come. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says we'll not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. Why not? How many of you have started employing your past to help others? How many of you have run into people that are convinced that they did something so horrible that they can never be forgiven? I, it, I can never. And how many of you have had that same thought and learned that that's not true? 
Only people that have had that thought and know it's not true can be proper witnesses, right? We're, we have been perfectly prepared to deliver others from that bondage. Yes? Not, not as power, but as vessels of that power. Yeah? Okay. All right, so it says we will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. Interesting words, comprehend and know. Have you ever looked up the dictionary definition of serenity? In many dictionaries, it says, see serene. In other words, describing states of being is beyond our language skills. We can only experience serenity. How does someone know peace? Yeah, have you, have you gotten to a place where at least at some percentage of the time you're not at war within yourself? So it's not a head thing, right? It's a heart thing to know peace. Okay. See how those are states of being? When that's happening to you, you're at that level of consciousness. And if you're not, what do you do? There's something the matter with my spiritual status. So another step is indicated, right? You're going to be going through the steps up and down the scale, consciously or unconsciously. Why not do it consciously? Okay. All right. So, so no matter how down, far down the scale we've gone, we'll see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. How many of you have noticed that? Even when someone tried to tell you something about yourself that you just it didn't hit anymore. Because when they're talking about a feeling, all someone has to do is suggest it to me, and if I'm cultivating that feeling, I'll believe them instantly. It's easier to believe bad things about me than good things. To this day... But if that goes away, then I don't play that energy thief game. And have you ever else like me, an energy thief? See someone come in acting out, and you just, because I'm familiar with that energy, right? They come in angry, well, fuck them. Right? We're energy thieves. Okay. So we'll lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. How many of you have found that happen to you early on? You, should, you learned if you showed up and stuck your hand out and tried to help, you felt better about doing that, even when you didn't have a clue what you were doing. How many of you, when it was time for you to go start showing others, you, you didn't want to do it because you were afraid you were going to mess them up? You can't mess them up any worse than they were when you met them. <laughs> Ain't you anyway, Right? All right, so self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. How many of you have started to have that happen? Life isn't at all about what some of us thought it was about, is it? Our whole attitude and outlook. What happens when your outlook changes? Your world changes, doesn't it? Right? Because the world has no power to cause how I'm thinking and feeling. It's simply reflecting how I'm causing and feeling. And as I'm coming into this awareness, now I'm in earnestness to take captive those thoughts that would limit my outlook. Right? Come on, I'm sitting in a room full of people of faith. Right? It's a real deal, right? Okay. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. Well, and I, that's a good point. We joke about it, but they didn't say economic insecurity will leave us. Some, some of us tore some shit up. So we're going to go through some economic insecurity as we make restitution. 
But this was never about possessions anyway. If possessions had meant anything to me, I wouldn't have given them all away 18 times. <laughs> this was all about freedom, right? And so once I lose the fear, guess what? When I lost the fear of economic insecurity, I am more economically secure today than I have ever been. Because I'm not owned by my possessions. And I don't bless the gift more than I'm blessed by the giver. Okay. So it tells us that, that we'll intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. How many of you have started having those experiences? Where you just intuitively knew. And it seemed almost foreign to you. It is weird, isn't it? They put these promises here so that we would realize that the tangible experience of awakening to the spirit within is a real thing and something to seek. Does that make sense? Okay. So we'll suddenly realize that God is doing for us power. Very good. Let's do it again. God is God is power and he is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. How many of you have had that experience? And we're not talking about not picking up because God doesn't have to do that. It takes no power to not do. What we're talking about is putting your past to use to help another. We're talking about thinking more of others' needs and working for them and watching how your thinking and meeting their need meets yours. Okay, so then it says, are these extravagant promises? You guys read the book. But do they not seem a bit extravagant? How many of you remember your first day or days in recovery and all of this stuff sounded like a foreign language? How many of you, when you're out there running and gunning, were prone to make extravagant promises in order to extract something? So they knew who they were, and they knew who they were talking to, and so they put this question here for a reason. Damn right they're extravagant promises, but they happen for me, and they're happening for others. Right? So they're calling our attention to take captive the thought that you doubt that this can be done for you because it is being done for you. That's why I'm here. Right? Okay. All right. So... So it says, we think not. They're being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. So promise and condition. What will happen if we don't work for them? They will vaporize. Because the, the reality is they're states of being. Does it make sense? You'll feel purposeful, and then you'll feel useless. Oftentimes in the same stride. What, who are you listening to? How many of you knew it was not safe to do even one? I'm through forever. And within the same day, perhaps I overreacted. <laughs> so we're no strangers to this. And so we're, there's going to be a maintenance, just like there was a maintenance in my addiction. Where's my opiate addicts? We knew when it was time to fix. Yes? Well, as you grow in the spirit, you will know when it's time to fix. Things will not be right within you, and you'll start finding fault in the world. And when that happens, the doctor said we are restless, irritable, and discontented. And we will stay that way until we find that sense of ease and comfort 
that used to come at once by taking a few drinks. But now, where does the power come from? Deep down inside. Handy little trick for an addict to know. I don't look for my ease and comfort in the world anymore. I look for it within. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. So this thought brings us to step 10. What thought? Those promises will always materialize if we work for them. So if I'm not getting them, what am I not doing? Not work it because you're worth it. Live it because it's not a theory. Okay? All right, so, so which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. So if I'm going to continue, when did I start? Do you agree with him? Most of us learned to take a personal inventory when somebody showed us a step four process, yes? Okay, and then it says continue to set right new mistakes, yes? Okay, when did we learn to do that? Back to that we learned practices, now we're going to get disciplined, right? Okay, so, and then it says we set them right when? As we go along. So one of the things I think people do a disservice to is they take people through their steps. I had a fellow take me through my steps. He saw my desperation. I was too sick to write. He had to write for me. But he had me out making amends that very day. And the reason he did that is he knew, he asked me one simple question when I went through my six and seven with him. He said, how do you feel? I said, I do not feel safe. Any of you relate to me? I just went through this process. I don't feel safe living with me. I'm a bit unstable. And he said, if you don't feel safe, you are not safe. You need, to, you need to go get out there and start prosecuting these amends. And so I started doing that that very night. I'm, not trying to, I'm just telling you this idea that you can take your time. I never hesitated when it was time to go to the trap house. So I've got a, yeah, times two. Yeah. So, so we're going to set them right as we go along, and we're going to get started right away. And if you don't, then see step one. We learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were an alcoholic, which means I'm powerless. And if I know that, and I'm not taking action to improve my fitness, then I haven't fully conceded. Does it make sense? Okay. All right, so we vigorously commenced this way of living as we cleaned up the past. So they, when did they talk to us last about a way of living? In that hopeful chapter 5. Remember it? They told us who didn't recover. Those who do not recover are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. And we looked at what I have to be rigorously honest about. Right? Do I have the ability to bring to consciousness right now the sense of ease and comfort that comes with taking a few drinks even though I've been sober many years? Why, yes, I do. Have I felt the flow of the Spirit when I started moving in service and doing what I had to do? Why, yes, I have. Power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowing in. I just got to be honest about those two things. What's going on within me? Is that coming from the well within or from my thinker that's deceiving me? Does it make sense? And I'm still right there. That's the same, same point. So the manner of living I've got to be able to grasp is to start watching my thought life as I go along. Yes? Okay. 
And it says, we vigorously commenced this way of living as we cleaned up the past. We have entered the world of the spirit. Notice how they didn't equivocate in the least. They didn't say some of us have. We've seen, we've heard of people who entered. We have entered the world of the spirit. How many of you discovered that you hadn't entered it, you just awakened to it and you had always been in it? Okay, so our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. So now that I'm aware that there's a tangible experience of the Spirit and I am living in the realm of the Spirit, now I need to grow in understanding of what? That power and understanding of what? How it's best used, right? How many of you have found that when you're clean a while and you hang around our fellowship, that all you have to do is pontificate a little bit and people are attracted to you. How many of you have misused that power? Okay, so we have some growth to do, grow in understanding and effectiveness, because it isn't, it isn't me they're attracted to, it's the idea of me I've created through this persona, and I can't misuse that spirit, or I can, but it, it's a lot less good than I would have thought. <laughs> anyway. So, it says this is not an overnight matter. Why did they point that out to us? Any of you like me like stuff, like, quick? Come on, in this age, we look at our phone or a computer, and it's like, if it isn't up before I punch the button, I'm pissed. So when I want my spiritual enlightenment, I want it yesterday before I thought about asking. Yes? So they put it there to let us know you're going to have to... How many of you went to the gym at some point in your life to get fit? Did you notice at first you just didn't feel fit? What is it? This shit does not work. And then after a while you felt fit, but nobody else could tell you were doing shit. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm lifting every day. I never <laughs> you need to do that lift away from the table there, people. <laughs> so it's not an overnight matter, and they're talking to us because they know who we are, right? You're going to have to demonstrate some perseverance in seeking understanding through this power. Yes? Okay. And then it says it should continue for our lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. So different question. Sean always has an answer. We disagree. We've done it for years. It's a thing. If I'm going to continue, when did I start? See, Sean insists that I am continuing to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. And he recognized it in four. And I agree with him. That's when I learned to recognize it. But I also knew, as I grew in this, that I have always been able to spot selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear in you. Yeah, I was pretty good inventory taker. I just looked outward. So I'm going to continue doing what I've always done, but before I do that, I've got to make sure I get the lens of my perspective out of the way. Does that make sense? And so then it, it, what it tells us is, is when these crop up, notice how they didn't say if these crop up. 
They know I'm human. They coming. And I'm interacting with humans, so they definitely coming. But when these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. So think about that. When selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. Are we asking for some Old Testament stuff? God, I've spotted selfishness. Strike them. No, I'm looking through the lens of my thought. I'm saying remove that selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear from my thoughts so I can better see to help my brother. Does it make sense? There's another text that teaches that. How can you see the speck in your brother's eye when you can't see the plank in your own eye? Better you should remove the plank from your eye so you can better see to help your brother. That plank in my eye, even though it comes from a text many of you are prejudiced against, it's very old wisdom, just telling us in a limited perspective, all I see is my thoughts. I've never known anybody. And now as I get the lens of my thought, my perspective out of the way, I have the capacity to love that I never had. Okay, so then it says, we discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we've harmed anyone. So they notice how they didn't tell us another person there because as you're growing in the spirit, you may have to talk to another person. That's a fifth step practice, but the discipline is to start talking to the power within you, right? You should be talking to the new counselor within you, whoever I'm talking to, the student of the other book. Okay. Um, then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. So they've told us the principles we're going to practice in all our affairs, and it's not the long list that Bill wrote later in the 12 and 12. No matter how many times people try and shove that down your throat, that's not true, because this was written 15 years earlier. So they just told you what the principles were. Watch, ask, discuss, turn. Watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask at once that God remove them from me, discuss them, if necessary, and then resolutely turn my thoughts to someone I can help, and there's no step that indicates I can help me. In fact, I've already admitted personal powerlessness in one, or I lied in one. But I can see how to help you, because I've been uniquely prepared to do that. But i got to get my judgment out of the way. Does it make sense? Watch, ask, discuss, turn principles we practice in all our affairs, and they're going to get even bumper sticker short as we get further in this tonight, okay? Because you got it, it's a manner of living, right? It's a conscious walk with creator. All right, so then it says love and tolerance of others is our code. How many of you didn't know we had a code? Love what? Tolerate what? Love the people, tolerate the symptoms of their malady as they manifest, just as I hope you will love me and tolerate me when mine manifest, and manifest they will, because my humanity was not removed from me. Does it make sense? Okay. So, it says, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. I think these are powerful promises. I don't know why they never made it to a law, but thank a wall rather, but thank God they didn't. Because then we make them meaningless to people. But think of the power. How many of you had, were real addicts? Like no matter how much trouble you were in, you were already figuring out it's still gonna be better if I can get to the trap house. 
And if it's not better, it'll be different. <laughs> so when I'm no longer fighting that, which was a fight I could never win, I truly do know myself to be a miracle, or a miracle has been done for me. Yes? Because I am not that guy who does not pick up no matter what. I've, I don't know if you've ever met him. I've met him at almost every place meeting I've ever gone. I don't pick up no matter what. If I don't put it in my body, I can't get high. That fucking factoid never prevented me from burning my life down. Anyone know what I'm talking about? It's the dumbest thing I ever heard. You, you don't belong in my room if that's your experience. Or I don't belong in any room. That's probably more true. <laughs> I was a bit obstinate. All right. I, I, I was that page 21 guy, a real alcoholic, seldom mildly intoxicated, always more or less insanely drunk, and a whole bunch of other shit. <laughs> OK. I was a multi-purpose drug user, too. All right, so um, what are we doing? What did I do now? Oh, okay, so we, we react sanely and normally, and we'll find that this has happened automatically. We'll see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. How many of you now have a different attitude about liquor, about drugs? Isn't that weird? And we didn't have to reformulate it, right? I mean, I'm just not interested, and I was consumed by it. And, it, and I understand it does its job. Why, am I, why would I be mad at opiates and alcohol? They always did exactly what I intended them to do. I was a little weak, but they held on right to the bitter end. It just comes. That's the miracle of it. We're not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. See, if I am in a position as an addict of the variety I am to fight it or avoid temptation, I've already lost. And I don't know if that's true for you. I'm just telling you what's true for me. I've tried fighting it, and I've tried avoiding temptation. And guess what? I just have this thought supplanted that perhaps I've overreacted. What could possibly go wrong with a little cocaine holiday around the holiday time? <laughs> Only costs a decade or two. Nothing serious. <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, we feel as though we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. Name of this meeting. They do that for us scientific minds. I had to be placed somewhere else away from me in order to be free to be me. So I'm lifted out of the laws of this world, placed in a position of neutrality. Think about it in your own life. You are, your human body is at the cellular level, action, reaction. And some, many of us probably still think in terms of action, reaction, right? We see something and Something within us wants to react or respond, true? How many of you have found even though that was happening, you had the power to be kinder than you felt like being? Does that not mean that for you, the laws of this world have been suspended? Think about it, because this is tangible experience. The ability to love the unlovely, to tolerate the intolerable. Why? Because 
I'm filled with a power greater than myself. I still think like me, but I'm empowered to act and speak better than me. And it proves me the tangible nature of this power we call God. Yes? And it also proves to others watching me who know something of me that God must be real because that guy's a certified shit show. Okay, so we're neither cocky nor are we afraid. That is our experience. Notice how they didn't talk about theories. They always talked to us about their experience. These guys, half of them were atheists and agnostics, and yet they were, their lives were drastically and radically rearranged after they encountered this power and got practice in these disciplines. Does it make sense? The most important discipline is love one another. Serve. Just serve and see what happens, okay? So that is how we react so long as we keep in a fit spiritual condition. So what's a fit spiritual condition? Am I fighting anything or anyone? You don't have to go any further than that. Whatever's going on is God's will. I may be a change agent, but it won't happen because of my judgments. It will only happen because of my capacity to love. Does that make sense? Okay. So they go on to acknowledge for us, because when we're sitting here new and sometimes many years in, screw that, I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. Well, then you didn't forgive. You're still tethered to the event. If I don't believe that the worst pain I went through in my life benefited me as much as the greatest love of my life, then I've missed the whole lesson. I still got to own my emotional nature through it. Right? Okay, so it says it's easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. What do they mean? Yeah, I got digits on my chip. I don't need to do any of that. You never needed to do any of that. Right? But the reality is, did you suffer? Are you comfortable? If you're not comfortable, do you want to stay uncomfortable? How, un how long can you stay uncomfortable before you medicate? If any of us are honest with ourselves, often many of us, not long, right? Okay. All right, so we're headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. We're not cured of alcoholism. Wait a minute. What'd they? We're not what? Remember when I told you it takes no power to not do? What was the doctor's opinion? Be better if you didn't drink, Joe. That was a doctor's opinion. Didn't have any clue for how I was going to not do. He just indicated that my life experience would show that I should probably not do that. But purpose and power found within the ability to become spiritually inebriated by sharing this power with another brother all of a sudden I found out that what I thought life was was nothing even close to life. I never started living until I died to me and started living for him. Right? Okay. So what we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. So what do I mean? I'm in a room full of people that know about reprieves. So what is a reprieve? I'm not going to kill you today. It's a stay of execution. 
So that earnestness in maintaining my spiritual condition, if you don't get it, man, I want you to get it. We are in prayer and meditation. We're walking consciously throughout the day. And any time I think you're causing how I'm thinking and feeling, I've gone into slumber. And I need to summon power within me, wake back up, right? Otherwise, I will suffer. Okay? So it says, every day is a day we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. Okay, so we're going to carry power's will into all of our activities. So how am I going to carry the vision into all my activities? Luckily, they wrote down what they did. Should we check? Okay. What they did, how can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. Notice the not mine's in parentheses. That will go away when you're fully awakened. There is no will opportunity. God's will has no opposite. There's God's will and my opposition to it. That's what we need to wake up to. I mean, and that doesn't mean that everything that's going to happen to you is ducky. It's just saying everything that's going to happen to you can't prosper and that, that everything is going to be for your good as long as you're in him. That's what it means. Right? So we're going to get rid of the delusion that there's some my will and God's will. And I'm going to... I, I turn it over and then I take it back. Well, you don't have a very powerful God if you're snatching shit out of his hands. So what we want to do is get you walking and talking in the spirit and ain't nobody snatching you from anything. You've already been snatched by the great snatcher. People that tell me they've chosen sobriety, all I want to tell you is if you're serving this power, you didn't choose, you were chosen. And the chosen don't choose. So let's quit pretending you got a choice. Right? Look at right at Matt. Matt. Matt got more time than the guy who did the killing. And he spent 26 years inside schooling youngsters that your path is your path. You got to serve what you serve. And you know how many thousands of people Matt touches today? So it says, um, we have not sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. So what are they talking about, the problem? Notice how in the inventories we always chased everything back to fear. What we really have, guys, is a fear problem. And when I experience fear, it causes a self to manifest. And so we, we chase that down to see. And once I lose sight of who I am and whose I am, I start trying to pretend to be something other than what I was created to be. Yes? Okay. So that's our experience. That's how we act so long as we keep in a fit spiritual condition. It's easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We're headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. We're not cured. Did all of that. Okay. I was clear down to the prayer. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. I want to say to you this. I don't know why I got on a tangent, but if those are thoughts that got to go with me constantly and I don't talk in King James language, I need to talk to God like I talk. So let's not get it twisted. This is a relationship you're building, and God already knows how you talk. God may clean up your language, but 
talk to him. I mean, I, that's what I always used to tell people. When I first got here, I was tore up. And my prayers looked a little different than thy will be done. It's like, Papa, can you help a motherfucker out? And, and, and in time, you'll, you'll grow into whatever it is you're here to be. But don't, don't be tripping on these and thous because it's, it's not necessary. They come natural to somebody, that's fine too. All right? So these are thoughts which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line. All we wish, it's the proper use of the will. Did you know there was a proper use of the will? You know why God left your will with you? Because sometimes it takes a little push from you to go do what he's assigned you to do. Remember, I bring you back to Matt. He had to go self-surrender and go do a life sentence. And he had to serve every day of it. You don't think that took a little bit of Matt? I know lots of men and women in here that had similar hardships. I just, I'm seeing Matt and it was time to lift him up today for some reason. Um, thank you for all you do, man. Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. So they said much has already been said. What have they said? They started talking to us in step two about as soon as we did these few simple things, a new power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowed into us. And then we empowered ourselves through three in that decision. We made a decision to move fearlessly within, and we came out with ideals and attitudes and, right? Thing, things that we, we've never even dreamed. Anyone know what I'm talking about? How many of you ended up with a life different than what you thought you were, wanted? I got a life much better than what I thought I wanted. Okay. Um, so it says, if we've carefully followed directions, we've begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. So now they're really talking about the conscious walk. If we've followed directions and we're walking in it, now we're walking in power. How many of you know that's a real thing? Walking in power. How many of you know that you know that you know? You meet somebody else similarly walking in power, even if they don't know from the signature of their spirit, you know whose they are. Of course you do. That's how we know who we're supposed to serve, yes? Even if they're unaware, when we get the signature of the Spirit back, then what's God's will? Wake them up. You think you can't wake them up? You wouldn't have been sent there if you couldn't. Check the Spirit. If you get the signature, you're the one. Wake them up. Okay, so it says... To some extent, we've become God-conscious. So what, what is God-conscious? Aware that I'm aware of his spirit in me. Is this making sense to you? Sense the flow of his spirit into me. Consciousness, God-consciousness is walking in the tangible experience of his spirit in me. Does that make sense? Do you want it? It's been in a book for 80 years, and we still don't have people just diving in, and I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't think we've been as eloquent as we could be. I think our prejudice gets in the way. We've begun to develop this vital sixth sense. What were our five senses? Sight, smell, sound, taste, 
Have you noticed how all those senses can lie to you? Do they keep you locked in your thoughts? Do they keep you locked in obsession? When you have a vital sixth sense, can you move beyond your obsession? Can you move beyond your sensory experiences and into a spiritual realm? Yes, because you've been empowered to be kinder than you feel like being, yes? So that vital sixth sense is life itself within us. Does that make sense? That's why they call it vital. <laughs> when they talk to you about a vital organ, it's not a take it or leave it kind of thing. <laughs> but we must go further, and that means more action. <laughs> These guys just never let up, do they? Notice how they're talking to us in present tense now. In all the other parts of the book, they were talking to us in, in past tense about an experience they had. Now they're talking about what they do today. So if you want to be with them, if you want to join them in the fellowship of the Spirit, this is how you do it. Make sense? Okay. All right, so but we must go further, and that means more action. Step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. Now, this is not what people have taught over the years to go sit in a room and bang a gong and think about lotus flowers. That, that may be perfectly useful, but what this is about is on the fly disciplining my thoughts and listening to that gentle whisper of the spirit within. Yes? Okay. So it says, we shouldn't be shy on this matter of prayer. Better men than we are using it constantly. What's constantly mean? as we go along, right? It works if we have the proper attitude and work at it. So there's a condition there. What's the proper attitude? They told us that all the way back in step one and they introduced us to the spiritual toolkit, right? They said, this, we picked it up. It worked for them. We picked up the spiritual toolkit. This we did because we honestly wanted to and we're willing to make the effort. Remember that little reading? And all spiritual growth is dependent on your honestly wanting to and willing to make the effort. And if you're not willing to do both, that's okay. No harm, no foul. But then you haven't fully conceded. Does it make sense? And see, so there's something wrong with your spiritual status. And you'll suffer until you do something different, right? And, and, the, and the thing is that we all doubt this. But if we get in practice in this, it's such a no-brainer to continue in this, right? All right. So... So it works if we have the proper attitude and work at it. It would be easy to be vague about this matter. How many of you have heard people be vague about it? It, it, it can be very vague and very misleading. And so we're going to break down exactly what they say they do and see if we can just go practice it when we go out from here because it's really, I don't care what persuasion you come from religiously, this really is freeing. Okay, so, so we believe we can make some definite and valuable suggestions. When we retire at night, we constructively review our day. So think about how many times you've laid your head down and destructively reviewed your day. Or perhaps destructively reviewed someone else's day if you're still in outward inventory. Okay, so one of the things we want to change is we want to get constructive and we don't want to try and come into a restful place with carrying all those grievance thoughts. Does it make sense? Whether this is at night or when you're walking around sleeping during the day. Any of you ever figured that out? You're walking around sleeping during the day and then you wake up 
right? And it's usually because some son of a bitch has disturbed your slumber, right? <laughs> so were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? So I got me, I'm doing this review at the end of the day that I was supposed to do all day long as I went along. They've given me a little allowance for my humanity, but the reality is I probably copped a little grievance and I'm still holding on to it from time to time. Or I've copped a little fear. How many of you have just copped fear? You weren't angry outwardly, just got afraid. What if this doesn't work out? What if that doesn't? What if this does work out? Then what will I have to do? What if they find out? Do we owe an apology? Have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? My, my, my recommendation to those of you who are new, find somebody. If you don't want to call them a sponsor, that's fine, but call them. And do this every day for 30 days. And you guys that are working with someone, please take their call and help them with their review. Because let me tell you a little secret. If for 30 days you don't miss it, You'll either never make the 30 days or you'll do it for a lifetime because you'll see the benefit. And at the minimum, if you're taking that call, in order to not be a hypocrite, you'll make sure you did yours. And you'll find that people drive us through our practices because we don't want to be a hypocrite. I can be an asshole, but I don't want to be a hypocrite. Okay. Wayne, you don't have to agree so vociferously that I can be an asshole. He's like, amen. He's been clearing last week. Okay. Okay, so then it says, were we thinking of ourselves most of the time or were we thinking of what we could do for others and what we could pack into the stream of life? So they're trying to help me get that better outlook. When I think of others and when I think what I can add to a situation, I quit criticizing all the situations in which I find myself. Any of you had a similar discovery? Okay. But we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, for that would diminish our usefulness to others. How many of you were out on a reasonably good course and then had something go wrong and then just beat yourself all day? See, we don't just call and share the sorrows, we share the joys. We do, you know, and we've, we've got to learn that balance in letting other people help us because it's more blessed to give than receive. And if we don't give people an opportunity to lift us up, we won't appreciate what it means when we lift someone up. You know, you know what I mean? We're all in it together. All right, so after making our review, we ask God's forgiveness. Very good. And inquire what corrective measures should be taken. I suggest to you, you will never do that if you haven't had a tangible experience of power in two and aren't improving it by now. You'll just never keep asking. Some people don't understand why we would ask God's forgiveness, especially if their theology is or their lack of theology is bothering them. These guys didn't have a big book to study when they got well. The writers of this, they studied the Bible. And the reason that it's important that you ask God's forgiveness is when I receive divine forgiveness, it rearranges or removes the pain from my mind. So it's not a forgive but not forget. It rem it's I remember my sin no more. Does that make sense? It's gone or it's repurposed. So the reason I may, regardless of my belief want to ask for God's forgiveness is forgiveness is a divine act. And the divine in me has the power to forgive, but not the flesh. Does that make sense? 
And you know that from your own experience. And we don't have to do a Bible lesson to know that. Just think about how much grievance you've held in your life and how much good it's done you. All right? Okay. So, I don't know why I'm losing. We have, oh. On awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially ask, very good, asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. So that's simple. If you guys don't like church dogma, if you're hurt by the church first, we're sorry that that happened. If you're hurt by recovery rooms, I'm sorry that that happened. Just remember, humans that are not well do that, and we're going to get you well so that doesn't happen to more and more and more, yeah? And... and um, so the simple prayer is, God, please direct my thinking, especially to be divorced of self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. That, that's not overly religious, right? Okay. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. If I employ my mental faculties, then the brain is properly being employed as a tool for me to navigate the earth. If I do not employ my mental faculties, my mental faculties employ me. Any of you ever had that experience? Where you wake up in fear or in distress? Pretty much every source is a source of agitation. Any of you ever wake up all alone and we're angry at all the sons of bitches around you? God didn't give you a brain not to use. He gave you the very brain that he intended for you to use. But the idea is to wake up and then think, right? Direct my thinking, especially to be divorced of self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives under those conditions. What are those conditions? Divorced of self-seeking, dishonest, self-seeking motives. Start to make sense? All right, so our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is clear to wrong motives. So we're talking about managing the thought life now, maintaining the thought life, because we live our whole life in our thought life. Although we think it's a physical plane, it's not. Every situation we ever walk through is all about our perspective walking through it. Right? Okay. So it's a no-brainer that we want our thought life on a higher plane, and these are the practices. Does it make sense? And as we've learned the practice, then we're going to get disciplined in those practices, and as we do that progressively, we'll walk more and more free in our thought life. Okay? So in thinking about our day, we may face indecision. That ever happened to you? Okay. What did you do about it? Get a case of the buckets and go get high? Run it? So, okay, so we've always had different responses to facing indecision. You want to see what they did would make sense since they wrote it down. Why not read it, right? Okay, it says we may not be able to determine which course to take. Here, we ask God for inspiration, an intuitive thought or decision. So what they ask is, God, inspire me. Power, inspire me. And then it came to them as an intuitive thought or decision. Now, how many of you didn't know you went through that because maybe you did it unconsciously, but all of a sudden a thought came to you that wasn't normal to you, but it worked out. Yeah. Is it possible you paused? 
Is it possible that you had a need met that you didn't recognize yet? I'm just asking. I mean, there's really no original thoughts. I mean, we think we have original thoughts, but they're just recycled thoughts that someone else shared, I don't know when. All you got to do is go to any meeting and listen to people thinking they're really freaking wise sharing shit you heard 30 years ago. Where's my... <laughs> That's okay. I want them to feel good. But it wasn't original. Okay, so we relax and take it easy. So why did they caution us about that? How many of you have asked and then were in a hurry for the answer? Or you got the answer and you didn't really think God had fully contemplated the complexities of the decision before you. You had a better answer. So we're going to have to let it go, right? That whole pride, let go, let God. It's not about let go, it's about let go. And I'm going to have to get back into that turn my thoughts to someone I can help thing, right? I'm going to have to participate. Okay? Um, we don't struggle. Notice how many times they tell us about they're now applying their will to disciplining the thought instead of struggling with the perception. Yes? Okay, so we're often surprised how the right answers come after we've tried this for a while. How many of you have been surprised how you just walked through something that was baffling before? See, these are promises in this book. If we don't show people they're growing spiritually, regardless of their belief system, then why would they continue? I mean, why do we think we have weigh-ins and things like that and measure inches when we're going to the gym? Because progress is hard to measure unless you make it measurable. They're just making growth in the spirit measurable for us. So what used to be the hunch of the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. We, being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it's not probable that we're going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. So seize on that promise and keep capturing your thoughts. I'm going to jump to the bottom because I went, I diverted forever today, and I promised you I would get to the place where we would get rid of the not mine. So let's go to page 88. And it, right at the top of there, it says, we constantly remind ourselves that we are no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. Notice how the not mine's now gone. In an awakened state, I know whatever situation I find myself, I'm there for purpose, because God doesn't send me out for hangnails. Right? Okay. It says, we are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, Anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decision. Have you noticed how when you know that you know that you're there for a reason, you don't have any fear or anxiety around it? Isn't that a desired state of being? Of course, and so that's what they're telling us they're discovering. Okay, so we become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily, for we're not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. It works. It really does. They're telling us again because we're doubters by nature. But if you will do these things, regardless of your belief, you will come to believe. Amen. Yes? And then it says, we alcoholics are undisciplined. So we let God discipline us in the simple way we have just outlined. So the simple way they just outlined is watch, ask, discuss, turn. Pause when agitated or doubtful. 
Pray, meditate, pray, right? Constantly, as we go through the day, separate the human from the human behavior and serve. Make sense? Thank you very much. See you next week. Or not.